On this episode, I'm in conversation with Tom Geraghty. Hello and welcome to the QI Guy in Conversation with podcast. I'm delighted to welcome you back for a second season of Conversations with Folk leading change, interested in safety and different aspects of the work that we do, not only within health and social care, but um, delighted this season we're going to speak to a few people who are coming to this world of, of, of kind of change um, out with healthcare. Um, so we're going to be talking to some interesting folk who may be coming up from a different angle and we're going to start off as we mean to go on um, today I'm having a conversation with uh, Tom Geraghty, who is a name that may be familiar to, to, to some of you. Tom is the founder of psychsafety.co.uk uh, and is a transformational lead at Red Hat Open Innovations Lab. He has the most wonderful job title of experimentalist, which I think just sounds fantastic and, and you will no doubt pick that up from the conversation I have with Tom. He produces a weekly newsletter on all things psychological safety, bringing you resources and tools and papers and little insights from organisations, industries all over the world. It's truly one of the things I look forward to in a Friday. Um, and as I said in the conversation, without a doubt, every week there's something new and something interesting that gives me um, a kind of pause for thought and, and, and an opportunity to reflect. So Tom um, is not coming from healthcare, which is very different to the folk we spoke to in season one, although he does work with healthcare teams. But as I'm sure you will, you will pick up from this, if you're from that health and social care world, that this concept of psychological safety that we talk about um, is kind of universal. Context absolutely is, is different, has a has a part to play in that. But but how we get into it and, and, and what are our kind of outputs and outcomes that we hope um, for psychological safety within the teams that we work is exactly the same. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Tom. So I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Tom Geraghty. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for, for joining me. And we're, we're going to have a conversation today about psychological safety. Anyone who has uh, saw this episode coming might recognise your name as the person behind psychsafety.co.uk and the uh, wonderful psychological safety newsletter that pops into my inbox every every Friday. It's it's a little intimidating <laughs> how well it's put together and all of the, the, the wonderful signposting. Um, but actually, you don't work within healthcare. No, no, I don't. No, I don't. I uh, so my my background is uh, is in technology. In fact, in fact, my my first background, if you like, my my degree and and shortly after my degree was in um, uh, sort of biological sciences and and scientific research and stuff. And then I moved into technology. Uh, then and so, so for the past 10, 15 years, I've had various I've held various tech leadership kind of roles engineering um, managers or, or CIO and CTO kind of roles and um, and yeah and I was at a point through that journey got into psychological safety in, in a big way. So so when did you first become interested in, in psychological safety when did it come up on your radar and, and what was it 
particularly about this this idea of this concept that jumped out at you? So that's a great question. And so I I kind of discovered that I kind of learned about the concept without the term, if that makes sense. So like 12 years ago, roughly, um, I I had a, a proper stereotypical bad boss, like the, the shouty, screamy, finger pointy, blamey, you know, vein popping out of his forehead kind of boss. Um, <laughs> would, it, yeah, and he, he had, you know, the big open plan office, you can picture the scene, big open plan office, he had a shiny glass cubicle on the side. And, um, and every now and then, I think when he fancied it, he'd storm out of his office and, and rip someone apart for making some minor mistake or or, or or doing something wrong or, or often just nothing um and what that created was a culture of fear and and it was a horrible place to work it was a, like a really horrible environment to work in but it also um and so I, and so I didn't work there very long but but I did notice I, I realized that the impact that that had on the business and on the organization was that it really slowed it down it really calcified a lot of stuff because it it meant people didn't want to make changes people didn't want to try anything because there was a risk involved and of course and the the consequences for mistakes were so much greater than the reward for for doing well um so I kind of so for the many years after that I thought I kind of lived my management life kind of what 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 would what's the opposite of what that guy would do I'll do that um and then and then a few years, a few yeah, a few years ago, I I discovered the term psychological safety, and it was a proper one of those real genuine light bulb moments where it's just like, oh, this is the this is the word I've been looking for. This is what I've been doing, but I didn't have a word for it. Yeah, I've had many of those moments throughout my career. Where you read a book or a paper, and you go, this is what I've went through or going through, and you're here's a label, here's a categorization. So. How would you describe psychological safety to someone, you know, given that you uh, aren't within healthcare and, and the majority of people that are going to be listening to this are, are coming from a healthcare background? I mean, are you, do you have a wildly different definition of it? Is it? Are we calling it the same thing no matter where we're applying it? I'm pretty sure that we, we, we tend to use the same definition. Well, uh, th- th- there, is a, th- there is a risk that we believe it's something else, something a bit sort of fluffy and safe. But but the the if you like the canonical definition, Amy Edmondson's definition, would be um, the the belief that we can um, raise concerns, um, admit our mistakes, contribute ideas um, without fear of retribution or embarrassment, sort of thing. So we can we can um, it's the felt permission for candor, um, and it's that it's that. It's a group phenomenon in a in a team in a group of people. Like you don't have psychological safety on your own, sitting by yourself. Um, it's only a thing that you feel about a group, and it's mm-hmm. that 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 trust, that safety in knowing that you won't be punished or humiliated for speaking up with ideas, questions, concerns, or mistakes. And it's quite important actually to remember those four things: the questions, concerns, um, uh, ideas, and and mistakes, because they're quite different sort of things to to bring to a group and they're four important things like without without those four things you're not fully safe if that makes sense yeah yeah and i could see why you would 
you would perhaps present yourself differently if you were bringing, you know, a concern that you had about something might come across a certain different way to say an idea, you know, um, I, I, absolutely. Again, thinking about um, the the audience that's listening to this, and and this was something that I heard you you talk about um, at the meetup you had um, earlier in the year, and you went over the kind of history of um, psychological safety. And you made a connection I'd never made because most of us within healthcare, most of us are, uh, you know, kind of thinking and 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 try to put psychological safety in place. We'll be very familiar with Amy Edmondson's work and, and and her colleagues. But you were given this presentation, and all of a sudden you said, you know, uh, Edward Deming's out of the crisis, and I thought, well, I know him. What did what did he say about psychological safety? <laughs> but this this actually it, it does have its roots. You know, kind of back in and 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 kind of post-war, it started to come through in the literature. Although it wasn't called psychological safety, people were referring to this um, fear uh, being a kind of detriment to you know high-performing systems and high-performing teams. You know, I, I wonder what you could say about that. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's exactly it. It's it's that sort of post-war. Uh, uh, there's the beginning of this sort of change in the management paradigm from the kind of tailorist kind of worker as essentially a you know cog in the machine or, or or an ox you know the um and and Deming was one of the you know Deming was at the forefront of of that and um and point yeah the the, the point in and out of the crisis and um so one of the one of the ways that Deming made that explicit was in his 14 points. And so point eight in his 14 points is drive out fear so that everyone may work effectively for the organization. Um, and he like he I, I mean, he talks about this in his in his system of profound knowledge as well is appreciation, knowledge of psychology, uh, you know, the, the system and psychology and everything else. And he so he he wanted to make it clear that if people were fearful of making mistakes or 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 contributing their ideas and suggestions you were they weren't going to go anywhere and and they're going to get and mistakes be hidden and stuff so so people cannot work effectively for the company and there's another Deming quote where he says um where there is fear there will be wrong figures which is which is fantastic you know we we, because we and I, I often I often think about this because we talk a lot about Particularly in things like quality improvement and in, in in all sorts of areas of industry, we we talk about metrics a lot. We talk about metrics and measurement, um, and there's almost this obsession sometimes with the metricization, sort of targets and numeric goals and things. And of course, all of those are meaningless if if we if we're starting off with the wrong figures because people are afraid to put the wrong figures on paper. Mm-hmm. But, all of these numbers are completely and utterly meaningless. So we need to start off with that foundation, that foundation of psychological safety. That's really, it's really important. I mean, when you kind of frame a lot, it does seem absolutely kind of foundational. Another funny thing you said in that <laughs> that meetup was, uh, you know, uh, every one of those models tended to be a, a triangle. So I'm thinking about psychological safety at the base of a of a new tri a new triangle. So. Yeah. I mean, there's lo- there's lots of kind of literature out there and, and and different things about what psychological safety is, um, and there's there's been research done by Amy Edmondson. I think there was also research done by Google and team working and and psychological safety was was again coming coming through all of that. But one thing I always read or, or or perhaps I don't necessarily connect with through a lot of this is how do you make psychological safety 
actionable? You know, is it a thing? You know, so is it a spectrum? It's something that maybe as a team, as a leader, you're going to you're going to kind of work up and down depending on the external factors, or is it a thing that you you know you do these five steps and you've got psychological safety and that's completed and you move on to the next thing? And I, I wonder, you know, in, in your experience, and again thinking about how you achieve it in other teams and other industries. Yeah. Any examples, any 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 kind of you know takeaways for people in terms of how they actually action this? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And and there's a, so there's a few points there. And I think one of the challenges with psychological safety and you know across the if you like the the sort of the psychological safety community, if you like, we we sometimes struggle a bit with 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 the actionable side. And part of that is because it's so different in different contexts, like the practices that build it and the practices that maintain it and, and and as you as you suggested like it's not something that you can just do a workshop on um you know do a survey or you know have a have a team session um and then tick that box and you know you've, you've done it it's a constant it's a it's behavioral change it's it's culture change it's practice change um and it's and it's a constant effort and it's 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 it's, it's it takes effort to build, but it also takes effort to maintain. Um, there are there are sort of there, there are ubiquitous practices that that people and members of teams can adopt that, that are the same across different domains. And th- those things, uh, in fact, one of the one of the nicest ways to remember it is um, one of the easiest ways to build psychological safety is to pretend it already exists. So if you're in a position, a, a position of maybe leadership or, or or seniority or long tenure, then you're in a stronger position to model these behaviours for the people that maybe feel less safe in the team. And those behaviours are things like admitting mistakes, asking for help, um, contributing ideas, and particularly particularly contributing ideas that you, you, you then are sort of quite explicit about this. I don't know if this is a good idea or not. I don't know if this is good. This needs work. Asking for for that, for those contributions, because by making that space and modelling that it is safe to admit mistakes, you're you know you're creating that that safety for for others in the team. What's interesting, I find working. So I come from technology, but I work with teams in healthcare, in um, schooling, in and education, um, in technology teams as well, um, and even in sort of local government and 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 even in military and stuff like that um the the sort of the fundamental scaffold underneath it is the same but the practices are very different so for example in military uh, teams there's there's a really strict hierarchy there's a really strict um uh hierarchy on authority like you do not disobey your leader however military squads you know it, they talk about psychological safety in the military quite a lot because they recognize that for a squadron to be high performing they require psychological safety they require that knowledge that um everyone on the team knows that each other has their six has their back mm-hmm. um and in fact that that strict hierarchy it actually enables a degree of psychological safety but because, because it enables people to understand and predict exactly what the consequences of their actions are where their boundaries and expectations are and you can take that we can take that into other teams as well and so in teams that don't have those strict hierarchies and authorities we can create these structures with teams and we might call it a social contract or we um or we might call it um sort of a set of team values and behaviors um but it's this structure that enables 
all of us on the team to predict and understand what we're what is expected of us um and what where our boundaries of behaviors lie like mm. and that might be different for different teams you know it might be in a technology team that might be that we always we always do pair programming um and it in a healthcare team it might mean that there's for for any time you're issuing a treatment someone always checks it mm-hmm. whatever it is um but it's that it's those frameworks and and sort of shared um expectations are really powerful and really key of course they look different in different contexts but the concept is the same yeah yeah and and, and i think that i mean that that idea of you know kind of context almost leading the, the the application of whatever it is i think is something that people who practice qi will will, will understand you know we have a a term I kind of roll my eyes at, but we have a toolbox of, you know, approaches and tools, but you don't necessarily uh, whip them all out um, for every problem um, in totality. You're, you're, you're going to pick and choose based on the context and, and, and perhaps based on where people are at. So you mentioned there, you know, kind of words around like kind of risking and, and consequence and, and and how how those and, and incentives then might play a role in the kind of successful creation of, of um, psychological safety. And I noticed on Twitter the other night, somebody had put a comment up um, saying, why, why do we call it psychological safety and not just safety? And there was one comment, first comment, and it was yourself. And I loved I loved your answer. I don't know if you can remember it. I'm going to ask you if you can, if you can kind of cover, cover that answer. Yeah, yeah, and this. It, so, what's what's kind of nice about that question is that it it, it comes up every now and then, and I, and I almost have a bit of a stock answer for it uh, because um, I, I first asked it maybe oh, I don't know two or three years ago by someone uh, who said, uh, "Can a team be too safe? Can a team be too psychologically safe?" In fact, well, the statement was, "I think that team is too psychologically safe," and I was saying, "That's not. I don't think that's possible." Um, the, the, yeah, and the point there is that there is a difference, a, a, a difference that once once we once we see it, it's it's really obvious. But there's a difference between existential safety, that mm. physical safety, and psychological safety. Now, psychological safety is the belief that you are safe within your team to highlight concerns, admit mistakes, and ask for help and things. Existential safety is the the risk of injury or death. Um, and so we. And this is why psychological safety is, it's a bit of a tangent, this is why psychological safety is beginning to be seen as so much more important in the actual sort of health and safety realm. But yeah, to back to the point, the, imagine a, a mountaineering team on K2, like uh, Nims Dye's team, who, who recently um, summited K2 in the winter. Now, K2 kills something like 30% of the people that reach the summit. Like it's one of the it's I think it is the most dangerous mountain on earth. It's so similar, yeah, it's 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 incredibly <laughs> dangerous. Like in order to go there with a team, you would have to be, and Nimstai's team as an example are incredibly psychologically safe. They know that they um if one of them has a problem, they can say to to the rest of the team, I've got a problem, I'm I'm feeling ill. Um, I, I'm getting a headache, or I've, I've I've got an injury, or something like that. Because they they know that the team won't won't hold that against them. The team will will use that and, and coalesce around that and do something about it. So that team are highly psychologically safe. Um, 
but they exist in one of the most dangerous environments on the planet. And it's that underlying psychological safety of the team that actually enables them to do that in the first place. Without that psychological safety, they probably wouldn't reach the summit. And I would have a, I, 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 I would imagine without that psychological safety, they, they could well be at risk of dying. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, there's lots of kind of um, equivalents within healthcare. If you think about a lot of the, the, the treatments and surgeries and, and things that, that we do for and to people are incredibly risky um, and, and carry with them the potential for error and harm. Um, and, it, it, you know, it doesn't happen 95% of the time, things are, things are fine, but that 5% of the time when things go wrong, you don't necessarily want it to be the chain that, the, the link that breaks the chain to be that the nurse saw that you were drawing up the wrong medication or the wrong dose or you were giving it to the wrong person, but didn't say anything. And mm -hmm. therefore you went through and that, that error reached the person and then maybe contributed to harm. And then you don't want the nurse to say, oh, I've seen the doctor doing that. Yeah. Who did you say? What did you say? So, you know, absolutely for me, I think they are they are two, two completely different yeah. things. Yeah. Um, there was another thing on Twitter, I think it was yourself, Tom, that, that, that tweeted this out, and, and you, you were asking for that. What's that one thing that you would do as a leader or, 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 or you know, as, as the leader of a team to get psychological safety? And we're not for a minute suggesting that this could be reduced down to a single action. Um, but what's that? What's that place you're, you'd maybe say folks should, should start or should consider? What what type of responses come back from that off the top of your head? Was there anything that surprised you or was there a was there a theme that kind of just shouted out? Yeah, so th that was a huge thread and there were so many amazing contributions. It was I was I was super, super pleased about that. And, and, and again, what was interesting was seeing all the different contributions from different contexts, different domains and the number of different domains that kind of share the same approach. They might call it different things. Um, and and that that so one of the most powerful ways I've seen to build psychological safety is the is the practice or the the idea of a kind of retrospective. Um, and we well, so we call this it has different names in different domains. So it might be a post mortem, might be a retrospective, might be a root cause analysis. Um, we, the, there is a tendency in tech to also call it postmortems, but I I try to suggest teams don't do that because it like it literally means post death. I, yeah. I feel like I don't think generally... that in healthcare. We tend to go for uh, the more kind of neutral debrief. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so so in in aviation we call it a debrief. Um, in technology we might we call it a retrospective, or sometimes we call it a postmortem, which is strange. Um, yeah, in healthcare, debrief, and in healthcare, there's also Schwartz rounds and things like that, yeah, there, which, yeah, are, yeah. which are which are su which again are super powerful practices that I'm I'm trying to sort of take into other domains such as tech or or, or even education and, and government, where we we we're less concerned about addressing the systemic causes of a problem. Um, that's for a different that's that's still really important that's still and that's for a different session but it's still really important um to address the and discuss the human experience of something that went wrong um and the stories and the emotions and the messy details this is what john Allsport talks about in his sort of um uh what, what we talk about when we talk about root cause stuff and resilience engineering stuff 
Um, and and that's that's really really powerful. The the ability to 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 get into the human side, the human factors of 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 incidents and mistakes, um, and that that's what I saw most that came out most of that Twitter thread. The that across all different domains, whilst we call it different things, this practice, this embedded and almost habitual practice, to look for the the systemic causes and um, uh, uh, the weak signals of failure in a system um, and and raise them and make sure that people feel safe in raising them so we can do something about it. Because I think, in fact, to your to your last point, you were just talking about mistakes. I think this is really uh, a really important point to make that by, by highlighting, so psychological safety enables us to raise mistakes or admit mistakes. And one of the most there's two powerful things that come out of that, and it's I'm sure like this is a QI podcast, so you this is I'm I'm preaching to, to converted, but there's two powerful things that come out of that. One one is the mitigation of that mistake. So if if a patient gets treated with the wrong medicine, then if you admit if someone admits it straight away, then they can maybe mm-hmm. maybe they can stop it before it gets to the patient, or at least they can be given something to to mitigate it. But the other more powerful aspect is that systems and procedures and processes can be changed to stop it happening in the future. And that's combining those things is super, super powerful. And and so there's a and there's there's the almost the real time highlighting of concerns and, and the post hoc sort of retrospective. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as is the work that we're all engaged with is, is kind of increased in complexity. It's no longer, I think, appropriate to kind of just say, ah, you made the mistake, Tom. You know, the the systems and processes we're working in don't necessarily have a perfect solution. So, you know, addressing those issues, just as you said, is absolutely the way we, we need to be going in that, that kind of move away from that kind of Taylorism um, approach to, to management mm-hmm. and, you know, um, human error. Um, absolutely. So as as we wind down here, Tom, I want to thank you for for coming on, and I want to give you a chance to to plug um, site safety website. What, what, what would folks see um, if they went onto that website? Um, you maybe want to talk a wee bit about the the newsletter. And you recently had your first um, kind of meetup of this site safety community. What what are your plans throughout the rest of twenty twenty two for for that? Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks, Jonathan. And yeah, I, I'm I'm super pleased to to be on the podcast. I, I I love this podcast, and I and I and I and yeah, try to show me about psychological safety. Um, so I really <laughs> appreciate it. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So psychsafety.co.uk. Originally, psychsafety.co.uk just kind of started off as a blog because I had a load of material and tools and things that I'd written about psychological safety and decided I should put these somewhere. I just wanted somewhere to put them all. And then it kind of just blew up. Um, so, so there, you know, people will find articles and and blog posts. Um, but there's also useful practices and and um, sort of workshop templates um, and other and toolkits and stuff that people can download um, to to understand psychological safety and to begin to build and maintain it in in teams and organisations. Um, there's uh, there's a, as you as you've said so kindly about the newsletter there's a weekly newsletter that i that i fire out by email so you can subscribe to that we we just had our first meetup in january of this year and we've got another one planned uh, we it's tentatively planned for the 29th of march 
uh, in a similar sort of format. So we'll have a, a bit of a talk at the start and then a group discussion, maybe a lean coffee format after that. Uh, there's also lean, community. Lean coffee was a revelation. Let me just ah, say. Did you like lean coffee? People listen to this wonder what lean coffee is. Have a, have a wee Google. Yeah, yeah. Lean coffee is is a fab, fab process. And it's and again, it's one of these, it's actually a really good psychologically, uh, yeah, a psychologically safe meeting practice mm-hmm. because it provides people with a safe um, time box discussion sort of platform to raise, to, to speak without being interrupted and stuff like that. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah, and we have a community based off uh, of psychological uh, psychological safety, and that's uh, and, and c- many members of the community kindly helped me organise the meetup. Uh, and yeah, and there's and then there's a, a bunch of options around training and workshops and things that you can also have a look at on the, on the website. Um, I think I've covered everything. That, that's pretty comprehensive, and I, I would definitely encourage people to um, take up the opportunity of kind of looking at all that stuff and signing up it's it's certainly i think it's about a year now i've been subscribing to the newsletter and without a doubt there is something every week where i go oh that's interesting and lots of stuff um, out with healthcare other organizations other industries as well which which i find really really helpful so tom thanks once again for for giving us your time it's been awesome thank you thank you it's been fantastic i really appreciate the opportunity Big thanks once again to Tom for coming on the podcast um, and having that conversation. We spoke there for just under 30 minutes, but I'm sure you got the sense that we could have spoke all day about psychological safety and and, and team working and how we apply that. Um, The resources, the links, um, the signposts that we gave within that conversation are going to be in our show notes so you can get access to... Uh, psychsafety.co.uk Tom also has a personal website you can sign up for the um, newsletter and also the second meetup which they're planning at the end of uh, March I can absolutely uh, recommend that the first meetup was um, was fantastic and a, a real kind of breadth of folks on that call so thank you for joining us um, for the first episode of the second season. You can follow us um, on Twitter at the QI underscore guy. Um, make sure you, you, you follow us and you can get this podcast, of course, wherever you um, subscribe to your podcast. Give us a, a little review, a little five-star review. I believe that helps with, with the algorithm. So it's just left for me to say thank you again for listening. We're going to drop episodes every two weeks as before. And until then, take care.